Hello, and welcome to the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life, the way it was meant to be, and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Thanks for joining us today on the journey. This month on Fridays, we're looking at some uh, lessons about the government and the citizen. We're calling it, it's election time. And in our first lesson last week, we were right before of election and we were talking about the emotions we have. And since that time, you know, you got to ask yourself, how did I do? <laughs> Election's over. And am I real upset? Am I real happy? Am I kind of pointing my finger in people's eyes? Am I complaining? Uh, all those things come, come about when we think about our role as we think about election time. Well, that takes us to our next lesson. And today we want to talk about the role of the government and the role of the government through the eyes of God. There are a lot of people today who would just like to get rid of the government and just don't have laws. Let's just every person do what they want to do. And they don't realize that the government is established by God. And so there's some fundamental principles we want to look at today and kind of talk about this and help us to see and to appreciate why God has a government and to go from there. And the first place this takes us to, of course, is the book of Romans in chapter 13. There, as the Apostle Paul is talking about the very role of the government, he says in verse 1, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. There is no authority except from God. Those which exist are established by God. So that that's the first principle. God has all authority. Whatever authority there is down below that is given to them by God. So we could think about the role of parents. Why do parents have certain authority? Why why can't the kids have the same charge as parents? Because God has given parents that authority. So in verse 2 of this chapter, Romans 13, Therefore, whoever resists the authority has opposed the ordinance of God. They have opposed uh, will receive condemnation upon themselves. What it's telling us is that the government is established by God. And so this is something that is a divine institution. God wants people to be governed by others. Now, that leads us to a question, Jason, why? I mean, uh, you know, maybe I don't want anybody to govern me. Maybe I don't want laws. I want to just do what I want to do. And why is it this way? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it is important for us to clearly communicate what we're saying, what we believe the Apostle Paul is not saying is that, okay, uh, every form of government, every every uh, location where you are, every situation, well, you are exactly where you are uh, under this government because this is exactly what God wants. We'll, we'll dive into that a little. What I think you you are trying to get across from the very beginning is the principle of government, right? Governing authorities. And we'll talk a little bit about how that can take various forms, but we all need authority above us. I, I appreciate you bringing up parents because the very first place that we ought to learn respect for authority is, of course, the home. Even before God had instituted civil 
civil or secular government, the very first institution we read about in the Bible is the home. And from cover to cover, we read about God's design for manhood, womanhood, parenthood, childhood. We need for our own good to learn respect for authority. And hand in hand with that, of course, is the idea of standards. If we are going to be able to coexist, whether we're talking about two or two million people, we have to have standards. Which side of the road are we going to drive on? What can we charge? What are we expected to pay for X, Y, and Z? Is there any standard for the medicine that we use or the food that we buy or the gasoline that we use? On and on and on it goes. Ultimately, I would argue because we want to be able to live at peace, right? That is the the ultimate goal that is highlighted by the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 2, that we would be able to lead godly, dignified, peaceful lives. Well, respect for authority helps me to lead a godly life. Authority that we respect together is going to go a long way in helping us to lead dignified and peaceful lives with each other. Yes, because without a sense of rule, without a sense of a government, it's every man does what he thinks is right in his own eyes. That's that's stated three times in the book of Judges, and things were not going well then. Uh, you can't function as a society unless there's some absolute standards. You have to have that. Uh, the old West is full of stories of somebody who was arrested, and mobs came and pulled that guy out of jail and hung him. They found out later on they got the wrong guy. Uh, you got to have a sense of law and order and, and rightness about this. And so so that's what Romans 13 is telling us, that God gives uh, government an authority. Now, it's not said it's a democracy or a monarchy or communism or a dictatorship or a tyrant. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about some of that in just a moment. But just the very act of being able to govern people that comes from God. Now, within that, he tells us in verse 2, which we just mentioned uh, about this government, that the government is a minister of God. And so it's not a, the idea of a minister, we sometimes think as a preacher, but, but what he's establishing here is it is a servant. It serves God, and the purpose of God is to govern people. The right of the government is to make life good. It's supposed to help us and to do those things. Within Romans 13, he establishes two principles here. He says in verse 6, For because of this you pay taxes, for rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Uh, we have roads to drive on. Well, who's going to pay for, pay for those roads? Well, do you want to pay? Do I want to pay? Well, we don't want to pay, but God gives the government the right to tax. Now, they might overtax us. They may tax us for silly things. They may tax us for things we do not like. When Paul wrote this to the church at Rome, the taxes the Christians were paying were going to the Roman soldiers who would persecute Christians. Now, that was a bad law, but the right to tax is what God gives the government to do. 
He also says in Romans 13, verse 4, it is a minister, talking about the government, of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. So God gives uh, the idea of a government to make laws. God gives that government the authority to enforce those laws. So there are penalties. There is jail. Here in this passage, there's even capital punishment. To, To bear the sword, you didn't spank somebody with a sword. You'd use a sword to put somebody to death. So God has given the government the right to enforce the laws that they make. And so that, that all that helps us to understand why do we have a government? You know, maybe I don't like the government. I wish there wasn't a government. Well, try driving down the street when there are no rules. You're driving down one side, the other guy's driving down the other side, the other guy's driving right down the middle. You come to a stoplight. It's red. Well, that for you, that means stop. For another guy, that means go. Because if there are no rules, everybody makes the, you can't even function. You can't function. So this is why God has done this. And all the way back to ancient Israel, uh, there were a form of government. And Moses was in charge of the government of Israel as they tried to function and, and be a society with these things. You know, I think one of the key phrases there in Romans 13 is for your good. And this is not the first time that that comes up. It makes me think of what God had said all the way back in Deuteronomy chapter 10, where he said, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I'm commanding you today, listen carefully, for your Good. Like you said, when April 15th rolls around, if we've waited until the last minute to file our taxes, that for most of us is not an enjoyable activity, right? We, we don't relish that idea. Uh, when it comes to going to the DMV and sitting there and then paying for our expensive little t- sticker for another year to put on our, our license plate, it, it's easy to grumble and complain. But what I keep coming back to, God is, is telling us In Old and New Testaments, listen, I have established authority for your good. And especially when we need those authorities to intervene for us, right? Someone is trying to take something from us, to to rob us, to physically harm us or our families. We want to be able to pick up the phone and call someone in a position of authority, right? And, and I especially appreciate how Paul highlights, if you do what is good, you are controlling what you can control. And it doesn't always mean that government is going to honor God, right? It doesn't always mean that those in positions of authority are going to be God-fearing, but it does mean you are in harmony with God's will for your life. 
And when we go back to the Old Testament, especially books like the book of Daniel, we see how God used different governments to fulfill his purpose. Nebuchadnezzar in the second chapter uh, had this big statue, and, and it was made of different material in this vision of his. And Daniel was telling them that each one of those different parts of that statue was different kingdoms. Kingdom came, a kingdom came, and a kingdom came. And all that was according to the purpose of God. God raised up Babylon to fulfill his purposes. And so we, we again see the role of the government in all these things. Peter would say in the book of First Peter chapter 2, he would say, Submit yourselves, verse 13, for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do what is right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men." You'll notice in all three of these verses here, God's concept is brought up. Uh, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake, he begins with. Verse 14, governors as sent by him. Him is God. Verse 15, this is the will of God. So, so again, when we think about the role of the government, it is there because God wants it to be there. So it is for our good and on the sake of being able to have peace and order in the society that we live in. All right. So, Roger, this obviously brings up a number of practical questions, but maybe the biggest one of all. I, I hear that God is a God of authority and he has established authority for my good. But what should I do when, borrowing from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15, the government is being run by foolish people? Or I, I am a servant in the latter part of uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, and my master is an unjust man. What do I do as a disciple of Jesus when there are foolish things being done by those in positions of authority. And, you know, it, it's not just back in the first century. <laughs> that carries through to today. I mean, you you see some of these reports of what uh, the government has spent on this study or that study, or why are they even paying for a study like that? Who really cares? Um, you know, the the waste, the fraud sometimes, the corruption, uh, but, but as disciples of Jesus, we are to submit ourselves to that. The only exception comes about when we look at passages like Acts chapter 5, when Peter was told not to preach the name of Jesus in that city anymore, he responded, we must obey God rather than man. And so uh, there are going to be laws we don't like. There's going to be uh, wasted money in our taxes. There's going to be things that we don't agree with. But if they're not violating my being able to worship God, then I need to submit to them. If the government was to say, you cannot assemble on Sunday morning, we will assemble. If the government says you cannot own a Bible, we will own a Bible. But when the government says, okay, I'm, I'm going to take away your tax exemption from contributions to churches, we will still contribute. That's not something that we we would uh, look at and do different within that. And so when we think about this, we, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to obey those we like, obey those we don't like. Think about the early Christians who were first getting this. 
What a crazy government they had in Rome. They could not vote for the Caesars. Many of them assassinated each other. Many of them were living very, very pagan lifestyles. Many of them were very immoral. Yet the words from God were to submit to them, to obey them, to pay their taxes. Well, and it sure does seem like if you pay attention to the language in Romans 13, 1 Peter chapter 2, and beyond, the word honor keeps showing up. And that is to be the sort of attitude that I have, right? Number one, I am a servant of God. And so I am going to honor him. He is teaching me to live an honorable sort of life. And one of the ways that I can learn to do that, one of the ways I can teach my children to do that is, I'm just going to lean on 1 Peter 2, 17, honor everyone. Even people who don't always live honorably, yes, honor everyone. Does that mean I go along with sin? No, it doesn't. I, I speak the truth in love, but I honor that person as an image bearer of God. I ought not to be surprised when a someone who is not a servant of God doesn't live like a servant of God, right? But what good am I going to be in helping that person or anybody else come to have a relationship with God if I slander and defy and defraud and just tear that person down? Has anybody been provoked to look into Jesus by me sarcastically tearing someone down that I don't like that that doesn't make look it doesn't make Jesus look attractive that doesn't make me look distinctive the call is and as you highlighted do brethren in Rome of all places you be honorable right before Romans 13 is last verse of Romans uh, chapter 12 do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It matters how we conduct ourselves. So next week, we're going to transition and talk a lot about the role of the disciple toward the government. But back to back to the role of the government itself. Jason, what would you say uh, is the responsibility of a leader? Uh, you know, you, you know, here's somebody, maybe he's on the city council, maybe he's on the school board, maybe he's going to be the mayor, the governor, the president, you know, lots of layers of government today. And so you're, you're in one of these positions. What does God say to you? Yeah. Well, it sure does seem like step one is recognize that you are also under authority, right? Uh, Peter, for instance, as he writes in First Peter chapter five, as a, a shepherd of uh, a local church, encourages his fellow shepherds to recognize there is a chief shepherd, right? We have parables of Jesus where those in positions of authority recognized there is an even greater authority. Jesus marvels at the faith of a centurion who reasons, listen, I also am a man under authority. And so square one for a leader 
is to recognize I myself am accountable. It's when leaders in the Bible and beyond begin to think of themselves as above the standards, above accountability, that they get themselves and, of course, those that they are leading in trouble. What would you add to that? Well, yeah, and and, and we see examples of that. I mean, King Saul is a good example of that. And there's many, many of the kings of uh, Israel that that were abusing their powers. They were selfish. They weren't governing the people. And so not only is God above them, but I believe God is going to hold them responsible, responsible for the way that they led. Again, as you think about the roles that God put us into, this isn't just, you know, words to the Supreme Court or to the president or to governors. This trickles all the way down to moms and dads. We, we are in a position of authority. Shepherds in the church, you're in positions of authority. And that we got, we got to remember who we're leading. You got to be mindful of the people under you. You got to be mindful of those little children. You got to be mindful of those members of the church. You got to be mindful of the citizens about you and that you're there in that position to make life good for them. Now, sometimes as a parent, sometimes as a shepherd, sometimes as a civic servant, you have to make the call that's going to be tough. And some people may not like it, but it's a necessary call because it's the right call. But when we forget about the people and we just start looking at, hey, I've got this power, I've got this money, I get to do whatever I want to do, then things go south very, very quickly. I think our our country is full of that from top to bottom. When we think about people who forget about what their role is, thinking about the people that they're supposed to be helping, and they 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 get in positions, and sometimes they lose the contact. I mean, just think about this past election just a just a week ago. How many commercials on TV there were about the election? How much stuff was stuffed in your mailbox about this? And for for a lot of us, we won't hear about those names again for another two years. Uh, where are they? What are they doing? And it makes you wonder about these things. And so the role of the leader is to lead people. And so they do that by example. They do that by putting forth what God wants them to do. When they forget those principles, then things really, really get in trouble and get messy. Effective leadership is stewardship, right? I'm a servant. This is not mine. These are not mine. This is not about me. There is someone above me. There is a standard to which I am accountable, and I am to serve in accordance with that standard the people who are briefly under my stewardship. Boy, we if, if we from the home all the way to the halls of highest government could remember that, uh, then then we would be much better off. We, we would. You know, consistency is another thing we need to throw in there. It's one thing to make the laws, but do I follow the very laws? The, and again, this, this goes from the home all the way up. We want our children to talk a certain way. Well, do I, do I follow that myself? Shepherds in the church, we want the members to do a certain thing. Do I do those things? And so all the way up through government, it's the same thing. It's, it's one thing to shout out the rules, it's something else to be the leader who's demonstrating by your own life what you're trying to do. And so all of this, again, gets back to understanding that the role of the government 
has the fingers of God in that. And we need to appreciate those things. As you mentioned, Lord willing, next Friday, we'll wrap up this little three-part series by looking, digging a little more into we as individual disciples of Jesus. Okay, what does this mean for us? What can we do? What do we need to guard against? But Roger, I appreciate you thinking through this a rather complicated subject, and it's not complicated because of what we find in the Bible. It's just complicated because we as human beings too often make it complicated by our own attitudes and actions. But I appreciate you joining me in the studio today, and of course, we appreciate so much all who listen to the Heaven Bound podcast. We hope that this conversation has helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for today's journey. Always remember, when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound, and the best is yet to come.